Welcome to the Good Growing Podcast. I am Chris Enroth, horticulture educator with the University of Illinois Extension, coming at you from Macomb, Illinois. And we have got a great show for you today. We are talking all about garden tools and gadgets, uh, things to get ready for the growing season and some of our favorites that we uh, use probably more than others. And you know, I'm not doing this by myself. I am joined as always every week by horticulture educator Ken Johnson in Jacksonville. Hey, Ken. Hello, Chris. Been using your tools a lot lately. I I definitely have been. Um, and we can dive right into this because I'll say first rule of tool maintenance, clean those suckers because you let that that soil sit on them too long and they start to rust. So uh, I'm already uh, deep into the growing season with some of these gardening tools. So, but we'll talk more about that at length. Yeah. So how about yourself? Are you, uh, uh, are you using those tools already getting them, getting them dirty or you just, just manning, plowing through things with your, with your fists? Uh, both. I've, I've been using the tools. Um, may have to pause for a little bit so I can clean them before I show them, show them. Oh, off. no, I'm not going to bother. Yeah. That's they're Well, they're dirty. That's just how that it is. is. Yep. There's definitely one thing I am not good about is, is cleaning my tools. We've been doing some gardening, some weeding already. So it's those 80 degree temperatures, everything's in full swing now. Yeah. It, it has pushed so much growth out, um, out of the soil, the, the hot temperatures, and now it's gotten cold again. We've had a couple frost uh, warnings and issues. I have my my flats of of ginger and turmeric that I'm starting this year. I had them outside. Um, they were almost getting too hot in the sun during those 80 degree days. Now I've brought them back inside to keep them warm because we have we we touched oh getting close to freezing mark last night. There was a little a barely a touch of frost in some spots in my neck of the woods. But then this coming weekend it's looks like frost again so are you seeing frosty nights i don't think we've gotten that cold but it's been in the 30s um so i've, I've heard of people uh putting their tomatoes out already so hopefully they've got lots of stuff to uh cover those up with and otherwise they're going to be looking for new tomato plants yeah yeah this is a good advice online uh, uh on on the old social media someone saying is it too soon to put out tomatoes i think i'm gonna do that this week and someone said wait a minute winter is not done with us yet we're gonna have probably a couple cold nights still so yeah uh, we still need to hold on to those tomatoes and peppers keep them indoors uh, for us here in central illinois i usually recommend anywhere from like may 10th to may 15th you know, we're pretty good to to put things out, but but watch those nighttime temperatures up in the 50s. That's really what we want to see. So we have what? Three, three weeks still, give or take. Yes. Yep. Got to be patient. That's that's the thing about gardening is patience. We uh, we did this gardening class with the second grade uh, group and we did potatoes with them and we did it last month. <laughs> And the potatoes still have not sprouted. Um, and we just keep coming back to the second graders like, you got to be patient, got to be patient, <laughs> got to wait. And the kids, they're not, they're second graders. They don't want to, they don't care. They want, they want potatoes to sprout. They want to see plants. And so uh, have not been able to deliver on that. They've been very sleepy, but we did dig one up and we saw it's like tons of roots. We see the little sprouts coming up. So just patience. It's coming. Should have done radishes. Yes. Really should have radish and potatoes. Get that yep. instant gratification for the radish, and then potatoes for the long haul. Yep. And plus, we have to teach them that radish are disgusting from a young age. So, <laughs> no, 
know, they can be good. I've had a good radish once or twice. Um, yeah, but Ken, today we are talking about garden tools and uh, some of the gadgets that we might also use out in the garden uh, or the landscape or the lawn or whatever, what what have you. So um, I guess let's kick this off and I'll, I'll ask you, um, when you have a growing season bearing down on you and you head to the shed or the garage or wherever you store things, what do you do to start getting your tools ready for the year? What's the... or you know, what, what, what's the first thing to start thinking about? Um, so say for me, if I was, you know, practice what I preach, I've done this in the fall. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, go out and, you know, well, find your tools, make sure they got put back where they're supposed to be, or, or, you know, where they're at and they haven't been sitting outside in your garden all winter. Um, so, you know, find them, clean them up. If you haven't done that already, get all that soil off of there. Um, shovels, pruners, things like that. Uh, go ahead and sharpen those lawnmower blades, all of that fun stuff. Uh, get that stuff sharpened so it's going to cut better. Uh, get it ready to go. Some people will. I think it's probably more of the fall. We'll oil them and keep that rust down. But it's probably not quite as important in the spring since we're going to be using it um, a little more actively. Yeah, that's that's kind of my what I do. Go out, find where I've thrown stuff, and then uh, clean it up and, and get it ready to go. Yeah. Oh, uh, I, I'm the same same way. Um, I was really good last year at keeping my tools clean. That's actually something when I did um, landscaping, it was a habit back then. So like when the as a crew, when you're done um, working on a job site, we would budget in anywhere from half an hour to 45 minutes to cleaning things up. And so that's just it, it's somewhat ingrained in, in me that when I'm done, I am uh, I am taking that time to take a, like a paint scraper um, to, to clean off the shovels. Um, I, I would say probably one of my favorite things to use um, as first style. And the nice thing, sometimes your kids will do this for you because um, they'll scrape any dirt or soil off of your shovels or, or, or whatever tool you've been using. And then I'll go in with like a stiff brush uh, or even a piece of burlap works really well at this. And you'll just brush it off. Um, yeah, and I, ideally we would oil these, but I, I, I honestly never oiled any of my metal tools before. Um, now I have, I have gone in at the end of a growing season. I've taken sandpaper, and I've sanded my wooden handles, and then I've, I don't have linseed oil, but I had like butcher block oil <laughs> for for the cutting boards, and I oiled them up like that. Worked really well. Um, so that. Uh, you know, sanding, oiling, wooden handles, oiling up metal tools, keep, keep them from rusting. Yeah, that's that's good, good place to start, I would say. Yeah. Do as I say, not as I do. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, the other big thing is is how you store your tool over the winter, which I I've, I found um, that our garages, because there is, they're more exposed to the elements condensation forms on that concrete floor and if you have a metal tool there very often you might have rust occur where that metal is touching that concrete so if you can hang them up on a wall that is ideal um that that, that that's better than than laying that on the floor um it also just it's not great because you you left with a rust mark on your concrete garage floor so uh something another thing to be mindful of so what about like uh well, power tools, lawnmower, 
engines. Mm-hmm. Anything we should be doing for those? Those small engines. So I I, I think this is about to become the old timers advice of um, you won't have to worry about this anymore because um, a lot of people are making the switch to electric tools. And I don't know. I, I so far have not moved into that realm. I want to, um, uh, to, to move into the realm of electric tools, but really I'm still back in the small engine world. Um, so I, I will say right now is, is, would be the time. So probably this weekend, I am definitely behind the ball. I probably should have mowed my lawn already. Um, but I have not, um, it's cause I need to do an oil change. I went ahead for uh, my mower and I just went online and they sell uh, kits at home that you can use to change the oil, change the air filter and replace the spark plug. And I just went ahead and and, and ordered that. And I'm going to probably do that this weekend, get that all ship shape um, in terms of that, that engine. And, and then probably sharpen my mower blades. Now there is one thing that I found, especially with, uh, like tillers and string trimmers and things like that. If you do know your way around small engines, cleaning out that carburetor uh, is, is really effective in terms of of getting maybe a, a better start. Because um, if you're sitting there and you have a pull start engine, a small engine device, and you're just pulling and pulling and it's just spittering, sputtering and not turning over, you might need to clean that carburetor because the gunk might have accumulated in that, especially glass growing season and in the winter months. Um, so again, that's something that you kind of have to be a little bit comfortable with small engines or um, and not be too afraid and, uh, of like taking that engine apart, pulling that carburetor out, cleaning it out, soaking it in, you know, some, I, I just soak mine in, in fuel. So clean that out like that. And I'm using gloves the whole time. Always wear gloves when you're doing this. <laughs> You don't want to get that nasty stuff on your hands. Um, and then uh, put it all back together. And if you ever have, uh, if you do want to try this and it's your first time, I suggest taking pictures as you go. So you can backtrack and uh, on your phone or whatever to make sure you put it back together correctly. And again, if this is something you're not comfortable with, there's lots of probably small engine uh, repair or mower repair or so, uh, companies like that. A lot of high schools or, or community college also have small engine workshops. And so reach out to people like that. Uh, oftentimes they'll do seasonal workshops for, for communities. Yeah, and there's even, yeah, I don't know, like if you have like riding lawnmower, a lot of places will come pick that up, um, do whatever needs to be done and, and deliver it back to you too. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say that's probably the easiest thing. And then usually when I talk to people about like, mower maintenance and blade sharpening they're like well how often should i have that done in a year i said well ideally you're going to have this done before the mowing season starts and then for us where we're at we have mostly cool season lawns and so in the summer months we usually have a lull in mowing that's a good time if you can do it a second time that year take that mower and get it serviced get your blade sharpened um so i ideally two times a year most of us are only going to do it once um uh, once a year, if that. So, you know, that that's that's what I often recommend. Don't run over sticks and hope your blades stay sharper it, longer. It will, yeah. And and the other thing that um it's also important if you're gonna do your own blade sharpening is to make sure that blade is balanced. 
And um, many times when I go and I buy like a blade sharpening kit, you can do that. Um, I haven't done it in a while. I would say last time I did, it was like $12. It's probably more now, but I don't know how much it is without looking it up. Um, a lot of times those blade sharpening kits will come with a little cone that you set your blade on and it, it balances it. And you want a balanced blade. You don't want it to be off on one side because then that creates a little um, momentum on one side of your mower deck. And that can be, I mean, it, it probably won't, your mower is not going to like comically fly into tiny pieces and bolts aren't going to start flying off. But over time, that's a lot of wear and tear and it could give you an uneven cut. So balance your blades. Well, Ken, uh, is there any other uh, uh, tool maintenance things that we need to discuss before we dive into some of our favorite uh, tools or our picks that we use maybe most often in the garden and landscape? Um, I think we've, I can think, I think we've hit most of the high points. Um, I would say just when you're, when you are using them, um, don't just throw them on the ground and, and go do something else. <laughs> Remember to put them away because especially your metal, even wood tools, you know, leave those out in the rain a few times. Mm -hmm. You will, uh, you'll be cursing yourself when you have to get that all cleaned up or your wood handles all split and, and stuff because it's been soaked and dried and, and all that yep. stuff. I, I don't know about you, Ken. Have you had to train your children about tools and um, that they're not just to go into the garage, grab and come out and use as a toy and just leave them out in the yard? Sure. I have my favorites in there, but where only I can get to them. <laughs> Very good. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I probably need to do that because I found my favorite shovel. It's probably been sitting out in the um, in the backwoods there for a couple of weeks and it was just rust. So yeah, that that's a great idea to to not let them even gain access. Yeah, just give them plastic stuff. So if it stays outside, it's not going to rust. Yep. Yeah. That, I mean, that's another... If you do have little little kids or grandkids having some tools their size, that that will be a lot of fun uh, for them. They'll want to help you, uh, and when they help you, that means that it'll take you a little bit longer to do whatever it is you're doing. But hey, you're you're they're learning and you're teaching them to garden all along at the same time. So uh, yeah, I highly recommend investing in some smaller uh, uh, scale wise tools. So. Well, Ken, I guess we should dive into some of our favorite tools out there and some of the ones maybe we reach for um, uh, on a maybe a weekly, if, if not more than that basis. Uh, so, Ken, uh, what tool would you say is one of your favorites or most used out in the garden or landscape? All right, so we're going to go with, I guess, favorite and most used. Um, it would be my Hori Hori here. So I've got two different versions. Mm -hmm. Um, this is one we've had for, I don't know, probably 10 plus years now. Um, I got this one for, it was Father's Day a couple of years ago. And this is about the only tool I use. Um, it uses for majority stuff. I think if, if my garage were to burn down, this is the one thing I'd run in and, <laughs> and rescue. So, um, you know, shovel, it's got serrated sides. Um, like, like for this one, those serrations are, aren't all that sharp. This one, um, I've drawn blood. <laughs> when I haven't been careful, I'll whack myself with it. Um, so it's it's good for, you know, I've used it to cut down small trees and stuff. Probably not what it's intended for, um, but you can do that. I like this because it's a little bit narrower. I mm -hmm. use it to plant quite a bit. Um, so I like it's a little more narrow than a broad 
um, shovel kind of blade on it. Um, I've never used the can opener, but you could use that too. Um, so yeah, like with this one, let's see, get the blur. It's got a flat side, so when you put it down, it's not going to roll around, um, which you know, just kind of like a little added feature that's that's nice for it. It's got a little metal bottom, so I can pound stuff if I wanted to. So, uh, and this is one I do fairly good job of of cleaning up when I'm done with mm -hmm. it. I usually just wipe it off with my fingers, make sure I don't cut myself a little bit. So that's that's probably my right now my number one tool that I use in the garden, whether it be weeding, planting, you name it. So that. At Okay, so I can tell then that that is prop that is your favorite tool because you're taking good care of it. Yes. Um. <laughs> <laughs> you can see this one had a bit part of it's ten years old, but with some of the rubbers you know falling off because they haven't taken care of it. It's plastic split. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, but this is you know this one still works. It's got the little uh, dandelion digger fork on it, and mm -hmm. so you can find all kinds of different shapes sizes. Both of these are this one's actually numbered. They all have marks so if you're planting you can tell how deep you're going uh, and stuff as well and so if you're listening to this uh we will have a youtube video you can click on over and see what we're talking about um but uh yeah the what what ken just showed one of them looks like the knife from crocodile dundee um and one of them looks it looks like a funky kitchen utensil so slightly uh, less intimidating slightly less intimidating <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah that's a knife yeah um so i i i will say and i i know you have yours alongside with you too so we can both um show off our our my favorite probably most often tool is my hand pruners that's right got the same kind i know <laughs> so i when it comes to these pruners there's oh there we go when it comes to these pruners there are uh, two ways to go with this um you can buy a, an expensive pair of pruners like what what these are they're they're nice they're they're high quality pruners and you have to maintain them and manage them every single year or you can go and buy a cheap pair of pruners and just change them out every year, every two years when they wear out. Um, but I have had these since, oh, 2006. Um, so that's a long time to have pruners. Um, when I, the thing with these pruners is the blade bypasses, as you can see that, it bypasses this part. This part's called the anvil and it bypasses this, which gives you a cleaner cut. And so that means that there are some where the blade actually mashes into this anvil. And that kind of, instead of cutting it more, smashes apart your stuff. Um, so I, you really want a, a blade that bypasses here to give you a cleaner cut. This is also tool steel. And so this is something that you can't necessarily use a file on. Um, so this is something where probably a sharpening stone or something like that um, is going to be better in terms of keeping this sharp. Um, you do want to keep this clean uh, because over time it will gum up with sap and things like that, depending upon what you cut. Um, and, and yeah, just be careful with what you cut because you don't want to be cutting like metal baling twine or anything like that because this is too nice of a tool to... To, to damage on something like that. This thing will cut and last you a, a whole lifetime. So um, yeah, hand pruners, I have mine 
all the time. I, I basically carry it, carry it around with me um, constantly. You never know when you're going to have an emergency pruning. So I, I highly recommend that. So I keep mine in the, in the box. Mm -hmm. So tell the kids, do not take them out of there. Those are mine That's, and mine only. Yeah, they are special. Mine comes with its own little thing that I, I just hook onto my, my pocket or my belt. And it used to have a tool, which you could use to take it apart and clean it all up. My kids lost that particular tool. Uh, and so I, I have to use a like a wrench now. Yep, there it is. Ken's pointing to it. I don't have that anymore. <laughs> they were playing with my, uh, not with the pruner, but they just took the, the holster and they took it out. I don't know what they're doing with it, but they lost they lost the little wrench that came came with it. Next time you're in Jacksonville, bring your pruners and you can use the tool. We'll have a pruner party. There we go. So yeah, speaking, yeah. So speaking of pruners, here's another pair of pruners I have. I don't know what these are. For your nose? What is that? <laughs> so I think these are more intended for like herbs and stuff. Ah. Um, but I also use them uh, inside for our seedlings, my thin seedlings, because uh, they're nice and narrow. Um, so I can go in and, and snip those a little bit more easily. Um, and, and then if we don't misplace them, use them to, to harvest herbs and, mm -hmm. and smaller things, flowers, uh, like that. So lots of different types of pruners, shapes, sizes, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's like uh, the Karate Kid bonsai pruners right there, too, <laughs> for the very detailed work that you got to do sometimes. Yes. Yes, yes. Wax on, wax off. So Ken, um, I guess, are, is there any more cutting implements that we could could show off? I uh, All I had were my pruners. I, I do actually use a utility knife often, um, opening bags and things like that. Um, but but that's not very often used. Uh, I have a pocket knife as well. Yep. I, I, I would say... Um, you know, that's something I learned from my dad, always carry a pocket knife and always carry a handkerchief, he said. So um, so that, that's that's what I have learned what, uh, way back when. But knives really come in handy, especially out in the garden when you need one. Um, uh, you, you, you know, you're hard pressed if you don't have one. And pruners, yes, they're sharp, but they don't work that great all the time, like cutting bags open. You can use them that way, but you run the risk of cutting yourself. Very hard. And get that hoary hoary knife that Ken has. Yeah, that's a knife. I stopped saying that. <laughs> I'm trying to think. The only maybe other thing that I'm cutting is like a little folding handsaw. Mm -hmm. um, if I've got bigger branches or larger printers, mm -hmm. um, if it's branch big enough, I can't use the hand printers for um, you know, step up in size for the larger printers. If it's too big for those, a little folding handsaw. Usually, yeah, don't have yeah, a chainsaw. I, My wife won't let me get one, so I don't have one either. Of what I'll do. Yeah, just that tree, that that uh, ornamental pear, that Norway maple might meet its maker. <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, I would say to be successful with pruning, a hand pruner and a folding saw might be all that you need. You can definitely go up with some loppers for some of the bigger things, but um, you know, if you're looking for minimum investment, hand pruners, folding saw. Can pretty much cut anything that folding saw can even tackle some of the big limbs um out there it's just going to take a lot of sweat um to to get some of those elbow grease 
That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I didn't I didn't bring the one tool that I use a lot, a reciprocating saw, um, for some of the non the some of the pruning cuts that I don't care about the tree that they're coming off of, um, <laughs> or or if I have to break down a larger branch that fell. Uh, yeah, like Ken, I don't have a chainsaw, so I use a reciprocating saw, and I I just bought up an old beater wood blade for that, and that that serves me just fine for that. Yeah. Long as it gets the job done. Exactly. Well, Ken, we've we've covered pruning, we've covered uh, covered all that. So, what about weed control? Do you have any particular tools that help you out with uh, controlling weeds in the garden? Uh, probably the number one is ah the old myths. <laughs> yeah, is hand pulling. Um, so, that majority of the weeding is probably um, hand pulling. Um, this weekend, we were doing some weeding in our or wildflower planting. Uh, we let violets grow and stuff in there, but they are quite prolific uh, setting seeds. So we got out the uh, our stirpo. Um, so we have large patches and it's a lot easier to get those smaller seedlings in large patches with a stirpo or something like that than trying to pull them by hand. So basically you just run this through the soil just underneath and it cuts, kind of lifts the soil up, cuts those roots um, and everything dries out. You can use it on bigger stuff. It's a little more difficult to get a little more effort into it. Um, I need to sharpen these. These are pretty dull, but you can do it both forward and back um, mm. while you're moving it back and forth across the soil. And I've also heard that called a scuffle hoe because you're you, you're just kind of scuffling. You're you're just <laughs> like you well forward and backwards. You're just uh, scratching that surface. You're not digging with it. Uh, I think some people find these cultivators and they start like digging down with them. Like, no, no, you don't. It's not digging. You're just literally just scratching that top eighth to quarter inch of soil. Just a little slice just to get yeah. underneath the, basically just underneath the soil line. So you're severing all of that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I will say I have my cultivator of choice um and that is this collinear hoe so this has only one sharpened edge which is right here um and uh the, the and then the rest of it is just kind of this trapezoid shape but it has a really long handle i mean it's almost as as tall as me so well shoot it might be as tall as me um shrinking um but I, I like this uh, because of the long handle. I don't have to do any bending when I'm using this. This is it's more like a sweeping motion. And so my thumbs are up when I'm using it like this. And I'm literally just scraping it on the ground. I'm just, just kind of sweeping the ground. And you can do this motion for, for, for days. You know, it's, it's not too strenuous on your body. Um, I find that that cultivating... Uh, in the vegetable garden, namely in the vegetable garden, if you can carve out 10 minutes to do this a week to get those seedlings, that's going to keep you ahead of the game when it comes to weed control. I know Ken's going to go on vacation this year um, and that there's not going to be any cultivating happening. I'm going to go on vacation this year. Uh, hopefully we'll find, we'll, we'll see. Um, there won't be any cultivating. There's not going to be any weed control and they get out of hand. And, and when they get larger uh i find these tools don't work as well i do you do you find that the same ken yeah well if you have like the stirpo yeah you can cut it but if it's big enough it'll just uh, come back 
Yeah, so it's then that's when you're getting into the, the hand pulling a lot. Get them hands out. Yep, get get the hand pulling. Um, yeah. So I again, when you're using these, we are just cultivating the top. You want to basically pop those weed seedlings out so the roots are exposed to the air and they dry out. And that's how how it works. And you do that for, I mean, depending on the size of your garden, you do that for 10, 15 minutes once a week you're going to be able to stay on top of those weed seedlings. Um, if you go out of town or, you know, things happen where you can't get to it, just see if maybe you could, if a family member, relative, friend, uh, whoever's feeding and letting the dog out or something, uh, train them what is a vegetable and what is a weed in your garden and then have them have them cultivate for you. Um, say they can take home some eggplants or something or some tomatoes. Yeah, give them a nice nice reward for that. And I would say keep up with it in the fall too. Uh, last year, you know, as the garden was winding down, you know, get busy with stuff and, and didn't keep up with the weeding, especially the those winter annuals germinating in the fall. Um, so the spring, we've got some pretty healthy weed patches because we didn't get that stuff um, cleaned up in the fall. Mm -hmm. And so, so you're you're looking at those winter annuals like henbit and chickweed and. Mm -hmm. All those guys that germinated in the fall and they just quietly hung out in the wintertime. And now they're having the time of their life. Yes. Flowering, reproducing, <laughs> spreading their seed across the land. Yeah. So we've taken that 10, 15 minutes in the fall. I would have saved myself a couple hours in the spring. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we're seeing that right now. I can look out the window and our garden beds are just full of henbit right now. They're beautiful purple flowers, um, but... We're supposed to plant vegetables in there soon, so that means we're going to have to pull them out. That's the thing that stinks about it, is that the henbit is going to die anyway because it's a winter annual. It flowers, sets seed in the spring, and then it dies by the time summer rolls around. But we got to get plants in the ground, so we still got to pull everything up, even though it's probably too late. But yeah, that's the thing about that. All right, Ken, do we have any more cultivators? Um, that's all I have here in the office, but, um, another thing we have is, oh, I can't think of what it's called. It's basically like a little manual hand tiller. It's got the spines. Use oh, that yeah. to, <clears throat> use that to roughen up the soil. Like if I'm doing a planting cover crop in the fall, um, I'll use that to go through the garden instead of getting out the tiller and really beating the soil up. I'll just use that to kind of scratch up the surface so I can get uh, the the seeds in there and I can water them in and they're kind of in the soil instead of just on the soil surface and you can use those to some extent to weed too they're not all that great um can help loosen up the soil nothing else then just go and pull stuff out by hand yeah yeah that's a good that's a good trick to use too especially um when you talk about seed to soil contact opening up that soil surface uh using some some kind of cultivator like that can also help yeah so if you're seeding something you can even run this the culinary hoe or the scuffle hoe through opens up that soil surface and you can seed into that that area say if you want to do turf grass or some other ground cover seed yeah and then the well, like vegetable garden i usually use a hoe just mm -hmm. to make my lines i need to get a i've got, I just got like a square head one i need to get a triangle one so i can get some much mm -hmm. straighter lines <laughs> instead of yeah meandering and, and stuff well they're um so the triangular one it's there's all all these tools have different names 
Uh, all companies, they make the same tool, but they name them different. That triangular one, I think it's called the, an arrow hoe or a Warren hoe or ah, there's more names that I can't think of right now. But but yeah, there, there's lots of names for, for the same tool out there. Yeah. Now I, I will share one more cultivator that I did bring into the office. And I think this is so neat because it's customizable. Um, this particular tool is a wire weeder. And the neat thing is it has these bits like you would have on a, a like a chuck on a driver or a drill. And let's see if I can do this. The actual tool right here, you just take it just like putting this into a driver or a drill like that. And then it stays in there. And then this one, because it's a wire weeder, it has these, it doesn't have any sharp edges. They're blunt, they're curved on the corners. So that means you can get a little bit closer to some of your, your vegetables if you're cultivating around lettuces or greens or anything like that. And you have run less of a risk of damaging your plants. I mean, you still can't go in there and go crazy, but um, you, you, you can be a little bit more uh, aggressive or, or in terms of proximity to your vegetables, you can get a little bit closer with this, feel safer and not damage your drip irrigation if that's something you use. Because I have done that with my culinary host several times you know, I'll, I'll be cultivating. And then the, that day or the next day, I turn on the irrigation system and there's like fountains in the garden. And I'm like, oh no, I got to patch a bunch of drip tape. I really like this one. Oh, so Ken, I, I'll ask you. So um, at, at a minimum to be a successful gardener, I mean, you can buy gadgets now that are powered by artificial intelligence that will take care of your yard and weed for you. And um, water water your plants, it'll do all that. But at a minimum, to be a successful gardener, what's like the bare minimum tools that we might need? Um, so I'll preface this with, I think it kind of depends on the type of garden you have. So vegetable garden, honestly, I think you could probably just get away with a trowel. Um, the pruning you can do on those plants, you probably just use your fingers to pinch stuff off. Um, so trowel, maybe some pruners. Um, I think especially if you're doing a raised bed, but that's all you really need. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if weeding and stuff, you can do that by hand. Or if you've got a larger area, then maybe you want to look at the collinear host or a post, something like that. And if you're doing ornamental, like woody ornamentals, um, I would say definitely some pruners. Uh, if you're herbaceous ornamentals, again, um, shovel. Uh, so you can dig and, and plant stuff. But yeah, I think there's yeah, probably your hand shovel pruners um i would say you're going to cover probably 90 95 percent of the stuff you need to do and your hands mm -hmm. there you go yeah pruners shovel hands let me add one more thing a bucket just to put that stuff in or to sit on uh that that's that's can be a, a lifesaver when you're just tired of squatting or kneeling in the garden just put a bucket down sit on that and do a little bit of work so yeah i i I, I, it doesn't have to be, uh, you don't have to fill your garage with a bunch of gizmos and gadgets. Uh, it can be simple as you want it. It can be as complex and as complicated or um, as, as you want it. So it, it, it's kind of up to you. It, as Ken said, it depends what you want, what your garden's like. And then you could probably hit up, you know, we're getting into garage sale season here. You can probably find a lot of old 
used stuff that's still in good shape. Mm -hmm. You don't even spend a whole bunch of money uh, on the stuff either. Yeah. It's probably the best improvements you can make to a shovel uh, that you find at a garage sale is to sharpen it. And if it needs it, put a new handle on it. Um, and then you you can probably use that thing again. You can pass that thing on to your to your grandkids. Uh, some of these shovels are 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 testaments to time how how effective they are. So we've been digging stuff for thousands of years, and I think we figured out shovels. So I that I'm confident with that. Well, that was a lot of great information about tools that we use in the garden, some of the more mechanical things that we also use to help us around uh, the yard and landscape. Uh, Listeners, viewers, if you have additional uh, items to add, feel free to throw that in the comments below. Let us know um, what we missed, because I know we missed a lot. I'm sure we missed quite a bit, because, again, we have that narrow perspective of what we need in our garden, but I'm sure everyone is a little bit different. Well, the Good Growing Podcast is a production of University of Illinois Extension, and this week edited by Ken Johnson. Uh, special thanks to Ken for hanging out with me this week and showing off our cool tools and your your crocodile dundee knife and um yeah thanks ken for uh being with me once again this week thank you you need to go get the lawnmower engine and chipper shredder and all that stuff <laughs> cleaned up and ready to go so the chipper shredder it's getting to be about 10 15 pulls <laughs> before it starts <laughs> you know throw my arm out one of these days doing it and get that carburetor cleaned out and we'll see how it goes then yeah all right and uh Let's do this again next week. Oh, we shall do this again next week. We're going to actually be sitting down with Nick Frillman and talking about growing shiitake mushrooms. And so that will be fun. Uh, mushrooms, fungi, a whole different kingdom from plants, one I often don't go into. So we are going to dive into that one next week, next week with Nick. So listeners, thank you for doing what you do best and that is listening, or if you're watching this on YouTube, watching, and as always, keep on growing.